Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Scott Merritt, who played basketball at Marquette University from 2000 to 2004 and was a member of the 2003 Final Four team. He then spent nine years playing professional basketball overseas. He now works as a college women's basketball coach that has previously worked for Marquette and Illinois. He was recently named an associate head coach for the Wisconsin women's basketball team. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, Bridget, how are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, I'm good. Hope you're doing well, too. It's, it's nice you guys are back to being able to recruit and go to, go to tournaments. Obviously, last summer was pretty difficult for that. Yeah, we, I mean, we are so excited to be able to get out in front of these kids and see them live again. Uh, not that the virtual thing was, you know, always miserable, but it, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And after a while, trying to figure out and trying to make out who's who on, on film, uh, it'll be good to get back in live in person in front of the kids. Absolutely. So now, Scott, you were born in Wisconsin, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce what your town was called with my East Coast accent, so I will let you say that for me. Well, I'm, I'm basically, I went to school and kind of grew up in Wauwatosa, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. It's like really pretty much connected to the city, so it's, uh, you know, really good schools. Um, so it was it was good. It was diverse area so it's a pretty cool area in, in Milwaukee and it's there's a lot to do there as well uh, nice. so it's kind of conveniently located not too far from downtown Milwaukee uh, you can get out west to other suburbs pretty quickly as well very cool and as a lifelong Wisconsin guy are you a big Packers fan I, I do like the Packers I'm not a diehard fan okay. uh, but I do like to see them do well I am a big fan of Aaron Rodgers so I'm hoping that thing comes to some sort of resolution in the near future uh, it, it would be tough to lose him, uh, but I definitely, definitely do enjoy seeing them do well and make deep runs in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not necessarily a Packers fan, but Aaron Rodgers intrigues me. Just the family drama, the women he dates. I don't know. I'm all about it. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if he stays a Packer or if he ends up going elsewhere. It'll be weird to see him in a different uniform, though. It would. It would. And the funny thing is, I've never been to a, a game at Lambeau Field. So that's something I got to gotta make happen sooner than later, uh, especially being from Wisconsin. There's no reason I shouldn't have been to a game already, but um, <clears throat> I just haven't gotten there yet. So I'm going to try to make that happen hopefully one day. Yeah, get to the frozen tundra. Although I'd say go in like September, not December. 100%. I definitely, it, it still has to be reasonable outside. <laughs> I'm not sitting in the cold for three hours. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't blame you there. So how did you get into basketball? I think it was just kind of a natural progression. Uh, My father played, my grandmother played. So I think I naturally gravitated to it as a kid. I don't know exactly how young I was when I first started playing. Um, You know, I know when I first started playing organized basketball, which was probably third or fourth grade. And, um, you know, it just, it was just an early passion that I found pretty early in life and, and, it worked. You know, I was you know, tall jeans. My dad's tall. My grandmother's tall. My mom was tall. So, you know, I think it was natural for me to <clears throat> pick up the ball. And then obviously with my size, it was kind of, I don't know if, uh, if you say it was, it was bound to happen. It was destiny, if you will. Uh, but I don't know. It was just kind of a natural thing. We just gravitated towards it naturally with just being around the game, I guess. Nice. Yeah, you're listed at 6'10", so that body definitely helps on a basketball court. It helps. It's not, it's not end all be all. You know, there's a lot of guards that can play. Um, and, you know, I do, I do appreciate being tall, except when I'm on a flight. Any other, that's the only time sometimes that it's annoying to be tall. But the rest of my life, any other time, I love being tall. Very proud to be 6'10. Yeah, I feel bad for tall people on airplanes because I struggle with an airplane in the, in the foot room, and I'm only 5'4, so I can't imagine what it's like for people with real long legs. Yeah, they, they definitely pack the seats in there. And if you're, if you're not flying first class or if you're not in the exit row or, or in the bulkhead, like I, I literally can't fit in the seat. Yeah, it's tough. normal on most planes. And if I do, like my knees are jammed into the back of the seat tray and, uh, where I'm, my feet are hanging out in the aisle the whole flight, um, which gets annoying when people are going to the bathroom and the, you know, the flight attendants bringing the, the food trucks or not the food trucks, the food trays down and all that. So, um, it's it's never it's not always fun flying. Yeah, it's sure. rough. It's rough. I hear you. <laughs> now, how old were you when you started playing AAU? Uh, I want to say 
I did a few tourneys as a youngster, but when I got serious into AAU, I think I was a freshman in high school, eighth grade or a freshman. Then I really started playing with the with the top teams in the state and and uh, traveling a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're playing with a top team, you're definitely traveling a lot. So more airplane rides yeah, for you, unfortunately. A, we did, yeah, that's true. We didn't travel as much as they do now, but um, you know, it was pretty competitive. And there was there was probably one or two, maybe three tournaments that were a far distance, and then most of them were pretty local back then. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, true. We're talking back in 2000. We'll get into it. I was surprised that Marquette was in Conference USA when you were playing. I thought they had like already been in the Big East by this time. Yeah, that's that's kind of stating my age right there. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Conference USA was pretty solid back then. Like the teams were good. You had Memphis, Cincinnati, Marquette. You know, St. Louis was good back then. So it, it was a solid. It's not. It wasn't the Big East by any means. Um, but it was a really, really strong basketball conference. UNC Charlotte was good back then. Yeah, you had South a Louisville was really there good. too, right? So it was definitely competitive. Oh, I did. Definitely forgot about Louisville. We had, we had some good battles for Louisville uh, when I was there. So that was always really, really fun. For um, sure. <laughs> yeah. Now you attend Wauwatosha, I think I said it right, East High School, where you're an all-state player. How far was the team able to go in your four years? Not as far as I would have liked um, and it was unfortunate that for our regional and sectional, we had to play pretty much every other top team in the state. So we had to, you know, it was Milwaukee, Washington, Milwaukee King, um, Milwaukee Riverside back then and whoever else I can't remember, uh, right now, but it was a really, really tough sectional. So you're going back to back to back and having to win three, four games in a row against top teams. So it wasn't really, it didn't make sense based on the location, but it was the toughest regional sectional, and we just never made it out, uh, even though in my mind we were the best team in the state, definitely uh, my junior and senior year. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. You were listed as the 54th best prospect in the country, so you're obviously highly recruited. Can you talk a bit about mm -hmm. that recruiting process? I can, uh, and it's funny because it's so different than it was now because they just didn't have access to you. Like we have access to kids nowadays. So, you know, you, it was, they would, there would be certain days where they can call and then the house phone would ring. Cause we did not really have a cell phone back then. So the house phone would ring on this day all day. Um, but then you can kind of pick and choose when you, if you feel like picking it up or not. Um, uh, so it was, it was a little bit different, but you know, then schools would come and they would watch and they'd be at, you know, whatever I was doing, someone would be there. Whether I'm lifting weights in the high school or just playing, you know, pick up at the high school, um, there was always a coach there. Um, and obviously when we were playing games on the AU circuit and, you know, in high school, there was teams there. But it was a little bit different with the access. Um, but it, it was definitely a pretty cool experience. And then the amount of mail that I received back then, because, um, again, there was no access. Like nowadays we can send stuff. We can send pictures and graphics via the phone. Back then, it was all mail. So the amount of mail and FedEx trucks that came to my house on a daily basis was, was insane. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Now, growing up around Milwaukee, had you always been a Marquette fan? Yes and no. Um, to be honest, I was a Wisconsin fan as well because they were really good back in the day when they had Mike Finley and Rashard Griffith and those guys. So I was, I was more so a basketball fan than an actual like Marquette fan. Uh, and Marquette had good teams. They had some really good players, but I, by no means, and I'll be honest, I didn't like, I wasn't planning to go to Marquette. Like they weren't never in my top choices until Tom Crean got the job. <clears throat> and then it kind of changed and, you know, and, and his vision for the program and his ability to recruit uh, was you know, my eyes second to none. All right, so Tom Crean, obviously, he would go on to coach at Indiana. He's now doing a great job at Georgia. So he's the reason you went to Marquette, huh? 100%. And that being, you know, being right in my backyard also, but uh, he, was, he was a great recruiter, and he had a, and he was, he knew what he wanted to do. Like, he had a vision. He knew how to do it because he had the success as an assistant at Michigan State. Um, so, so you know that he's been around a, a great coach in Tom Izzo. So when you have a young coach who's energetic and passionate and he wants to win that badly, and, you know, and he's a genuine guy, and I knew the other guys that he was bringing in in my class, 
um, with, you know, Dwayne Wade, obviously Terry Sanders and Odarte Blanks and kids that we, we have been playing against each other all the time, you know, cause those are Chicago guys and, and Terry's a Milwaukee guy. So, um, I was very familiar with those guys. So it was, it was, a it was, in my mind, it was like, yo, these guys can really play. We can make something happen. Um, so it was, it was a pretty awesome experience. Yeah, that's a great recruiting class that you're naming right there. And you guys would make something happen. We'll talk about that final four run. But yeah, I'm sure your family was very happy you picked Marquette because they could pretty much go to all the home games. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, you know, I am very close to my family. So it was, it was important for me to have my parents be able to get there. Um, you know, and the comfort of being at home, you know, if you need something, is awesome too. So always having that support system right there is, is never a bad thing. So it was it was a great experience for for my family. To, you know, to be able to be right there when we're winning conference championships and then fly down to the Final Four and all that. So it was awesome. Nice. Now they say it's a harder transition as a post player from high school to college basketball. Do you agree with that? Going through that, uh, it can. It, I think it really depends on the player. Uh, whether you're a guard or a post player, I, I think the biggest adjustment for kids is the intensity, how much the intensity revs up, um, you know, from a, not just a basketball standpoint, from a conditioning standpoint, from a, from a strength and con- uh, weight room standpoint. So everything is, if you, you don't experience that at the high school level, no matter where you are, it, you're like you're never going to have a workout or practice as hard as it is at the college level. You're never going to lift weights. Uh, with the intensity that you will, to, you know, with the strength coach at the college level, and definitely not at that level. So, um, you know, now again, again, if you're a post player and you're a skinnier guy, slender build, maybe you're not as physically strong, then I think it, there's a huge, maybe more of an adjustment than guards have. Um, so I think the strength part may play more of a factor in guard or in, in bigs than guards, um, but of overall intensity and adjustment, I think it just depends on the, the person. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, if you come in as a post player skinny, it's going to be rough. But yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Now, your freshman year, you play about 18 minutes a game. So you're able to play right away on a team that goes 17 mm-hmm. and 14. And I believe even though Dwayne Wade was in your recruiting class, he didn't actually play that season. Correct. He, um, he was a Prop 48, which back then was a partial qualifier. So he was on campus. He could do everything, practice work out with the team, uh, but he could not travel or play. <clears throat> so so we came in together as freshmen. He sat out that year. I, I played, um, which was good. It was a good experience, you know, as a freshman be able to get the court. That's not always easy. Uh, I mean, we had good players, you know, big guys, big, strong guys, veterans on the team, and I was, I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, steal some minutes as a freshman. But it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy, and it was a huge adjustment. It took a while for me to adjust to the – intensity at the college level um you know and tom Crean is probably one of the most intense coaches in the country as well so um you know he's going to get you tougher mentally he's going to get you tougher physically emotionally spiritually whatever everything across the board you're going to you have no it's almost automatic there's no way around you getting better as a person uh, when you play for tom Crean. do you still speak to him today i do I do. We keep in touch. Uh, you know, obviously he's very, very busy with, with his uh, running his program. But from time to time, we keep in touch. Uh, you know, I reach out to him a lot just for advice, you know, and questions. And, you know, what about this? What do you think about this? How would you do this? Or how, you know, and, and he's been great over the years um, mentoring me in this whole coaching profession. You know, and even though he's on the men's side and I'm on the women's side, it's still the same. We're coaching, you know, young athletes. Uh, and trying to impact their lives. So he, he's been very, very helpful uh, over the last eight years. Oh, that's my awesome. Awesome. And I think it's a smart move for him to go to Georgia, right? Because no matter, you know, he can have great seasons and the, the focus is always going to be on the Georgia football team. So there's never going to be that pressure that there unfortunately was at Indiana. And I think they, they fired him too soon, in my opinion. I think he could have gone a few more years. He was a great recruiter. They had Yogi Ferrell. Mm-hmm. I think he was still playing by the time he got fired. I may be mm-hmm. wrong on that, but but yeah, it's a good move going to Georgia. Yeah, and I I don't remember exactly if Yogi was still there his last year or not, but um, but I agree with you one hundred percent. They probably, but that that is a job with a ton a ton of pressure, and uh, who knows the full details on why they let him go. But uh, I definitely in my mind it was it was too early. But I wish him the best. He's doing a great job at Georgia. 
Uh, and he, he's going to have a successful program wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Cause again, that passion hasn't left. He's still as passionate as he is today, as he was in 2003 when he got the job as he is today. So that's awesome. And, um, He'll be successful wherever because he has that passion. He's so knowledgeable. He, he, I mean, he works. You know, he doesn't he doesn't take days off, and that's the same thing he preaches to his players, and he instills that work ethic, that intensity, and um, and everyone that that's involved in this program. So he'll he'll have that program. You know, making deep runs in the tournament pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. I've always been a fan of him. I would watch him at Marquette at Indiana. I haven't caught too much of him at Georgia yet. I got to get the mm-hmm. SEC. Actually, I think I have the SEC network, but I just got to, in general, watch more SEC basketball. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it's a strong conference. It's a very mm-hmm. competitive conference. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's fun to watch. And it's funny to see like how the style of play changes conference to conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll definitely have them rolling pretty quickly there. And speaking of conference to conference, University of Wisconsin wasn't in the same conference as you were at Marquette. Still aren't, right, as Marquette's in the Big East. Wisconsin's still in the mm-hmm. Big Ten. You guys play each other every year, though. So what was that a big rivalry? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it is on, on both the men's and the women's side. Um, but that in-state rivalry, and we were really, really good, and Wisconsin was still kind of on trying to – improve and and become a rising program and we we had the upper hand most games from what i remember um but it but that's the game that's really really fun not only for the coaches for the players for the fans right whether you're a marquette fan whether you're a wisconsin fan um those games always had a great turnout from, from the fan support and they were fun and they're entertaining and it's it's a rivalry we're not playing this coming year um, but we will we will renew that rivalry and get it going um, in the following years, and, and we're excited about it. Um, it's fun to be on the other side. It, it's definitely fun to be on the other side now, um, and see if we could if we can turn it around and flip the switch and, and get those consistent wins over Marquette. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll we'll talk about being on the other side in a bit. I, I'm curious to see if you can show your face <laughs> at Marquette anymore. I haven't yet. <laughs> I haven't yet. So we'll see. My son is actually at the at the men's camp right now. Oh, that's um, awesome! I, I did. I did get a when I took the job. I did get a couple of text messages from some former teammates um, <laughs> about it, giving me a hard time, you know. And um, it, it'll be. I don't know what I'll do when the men play, um, you know, because I still am a Golden Eagle at heart. Um, so I think that'll be the one day. I love Wisconsin. Uh, I'm excited to be here. But when our men are playing. Marquette, I'm definitely, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to shoot, uh, cheer for Marquette. No, as you should. That's your team. Right. It'd be weird if you were rooting for the Marquette women, if you, yeah, you know, being on the, on, the, on the bench for the Wisconsin team, but I get it for the men. Yeah, that, that would be an issue, 100%. <laughs> I know Coach Mosley wouldn't go for that. <laughs> no, not at all. She's tough. Now, sophomore year, this is Dwayne Wade's first year playing with you. What is it like to play with such a dynamic superstar? It's great because he makes everyone around him better. And, and that's what superstars do, right? Uh, whether it was in high school, you know, him at the college level, and obviously we know what he did at the NBA level, but he made the game easier for everyone else on both ends of the floor because he was unselfish for one. He can, he can score so many ways but he can make plays for other people as well and it was funny he got you easy buckets and then defensively he was so athletic and he anticipated so well he could make up for so many mistakes so so many mistakes and he was just a good teammate you know like a lot of times those guys who are so talented um they're not always great teammates you know they're not hard workers uh they just kind of rely on their talent but he was he was always a good teammate you know hold people accountable he's a great leader uh, you know, we always had great chemistry as a team. And obviously, he knew he was the best player. We knew he was the best player. Um, we knew we needed him to win, and he knew he needed us to win. So it, it was just one of those things, and the culture was strong. And I think that was a huge part of the reason why he had so, so, so much success, and we had so much success, is because the position Tom Crane put everyone in and, and how we played. It all just kind of worked out, and it all just fit like a glove. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Do you still keep in touch with Dwayne Wade today? <laughs> I do. Not as much as, you know, I would probably like, just because he's so busy, you know, and we're all so busy, but we do. Like, our whole team, our whole Final Four team has a group chat. Yes. And uh, every so often, 
you know, whatever the topic of conversation is, um, it's been different things. But then when we go at it, like we're just going for days, you know, it'd be like two straight days of just nonstop text messages from, from uh, all the players and even Tom Crean is involved in that. So, so we, there's a lot of back and forth banner, but it's, it's pretty funny. So uh, that's kind of how we stay in touch. And then, you know, periodically we all run into each other, you know, we run into each other wherever, you know, maybe whether it's, you know, just at a random place or, or somewhere for an event, whatever, but we, we do stay in touch, you know, it's nice. And everyone's, <clears throat> excuse me, doing extremely well. Like, that's the cool thing about it. Everyone on that roster from D-Way to our walk-on is successful. Yeah, that's awesome. And the only thing I can think of is because of what Tom Crean, how he prepared us for life, what he made us do on a day-to-day basis, what he put us through, how he challenged us, um, is is why every single guy is successful and doing well. and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to play for Coach Crean and, and play with those guys on the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes those challenges you learn on the court help off the court as well. Because, you know, obviously, as you said, the walk-ons on that group chat, he's doing well. He's obviously not playing in the NBA, but he's successful probably in the mm-hmm. business world or whatever he's doing. Yep. I mean, our walk-ons, they, I mean, they, they were challenged. Like, it might have been tougher mentally on them, more tougher or more – challenging than it was the players because if you're a walk-on and now you have to in a drill you just have to play defense the whole time and you got to guard you know these six post players just continuously for 15 or 20 minutes and you're exhausted you know or you got to guard d-wade full court and then travis dean at full court and then all these other guys full be like and we had some tough walk-ons and tony grease and andy Freund and those guys were man amazing and they were they were part of the team like even though they were walking they were part of that unit and, and they we love those guys and, and for what they bring and how hard they play it was awesome yeah and i love to hear that walk-ons are always part of the team mm-hmm. very important you guys go 28 and 7 in 2002 so really successful season but you get bounced from the ncaa tournament pretty quickly does that still sting it does it definitely does because we were so much better than uh, I think it was was the first round exit. Yes. Um, yeah, we we were so much better, and I think it was just us still being inexperienced mm-hmm. um, as a team. But it prepared us for the next year also because we were we we were hungry, um, and we knew that wasn't going to happen again. But it definitely stings. Um, you know, who wants to go out in the first round, especially when we had a team that talented? Yeah, yeah, no one wants to. Yeah, 2003 is the big year for Marquette. You guys go 29 and six. Personally, you started every game. But as good as that team is, you got bounced in the first round of the Conference USA tournament. Did that kind mm-hmm. of fuel you guys for the run you were about to make in the NCAA tournament? I think so, and, and that's funny. I actually thought about this recently. Um, I can't remember who we lost to, but I was like, there was no reason why we shouldn't have won a conference tournament. But when you do get bounced out, because sometimes you do get complacent and you think you're better, you think you've arrived and you think you're better than you are, um, and, and you kind of forget what made you guys or made you successful or made the team successful. But I think we needed that because it refocused us. You know, maybe even refocused the coaches. Um, I'm not sure, but you know, after that happened, we got we got back in the gym, got after it, and you know, we we were we were rolling, we were playing extremely well. Um, as soon as we got to the tournament. Although, holy crap, our first game was, was tough. They, they challenged us, but uh, I think we were pretty much clicking on all cylinders for that run. Yeah, that first round game for the men's tournament is always tougher than it looks because the team that you're playing is obviously a lower seed in your case. They've got mm-hmm. nothing to lose, and sometimes the higher seed plays tight because they're so worried about being upset, and there's obviously always upsets. 100%. Uh, and, and a lot of times those mid-major schools, they have really, really good players and they, have, they are great teams. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and they're hungry and they're tough. And a lot of times in March, when you're tough, you can win. Mm-hmm. You know, and it comes down to, to the loose balls and um, free throws and fouls and rebounding and all those things that tough teams do consistently. So if you have that, you have a championship mentality, you can, you can beat anyone. Uh, and there's so much parity on the men's side. Which, which makes it fun. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that same parody on the women's side, hopefully in the next few years. 
but there like there's so much competition on the men's side and the number one seed could be taken down at any point in time, which is which is always cool to see. Maybe not for that team, but for, as a fan when you're watching, you, those those upsets are great. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I would love to see more parity in women's basketball. It's it's kind of coming slowly and you know, I'm a big fan of basketball women's and men's, but you know, I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to admit I really don't watch the first round of the girls NCAA tournament where for the boys I'm watching every game it's just you know the girls they don't get competitive in my opinion until that sweet 16 elite eight matchups whereas the guys are always competitive so we're getting there but it'll take a little time hopefully Wisconsin can help yeah, out with that oh we will <laughs> we definitely will we're gonna we're gonna beat one of those teams in the tournament um but yeah again like the parity isn't there Right, mm-hmm. So there is a huge discrepancy between the top teams on the women's side and, and the teams that are, you know, maybe, in, you know, winning their conference championship and getting the bid. Um, so they just really don't have the personnel to compete, even if they play hard and are tough and are good program. They just don't have the personnel. Mm-hmm. So it's it is. It, it sucks to say it, but it's just the parity is not there yet. It's getting better, like you said, but it's we still have a ways to go. And if that gets better and some of these kids decide to stay home and, uh, you know, have the confidence to be like, hey, I can turn the program around versus go to a program that's already established and has four or five or six All-Americans already versus why don't I start something special here? Um, and and those, those are the type of kids you want who, who have that confidence, who have a chip on their shoulder, who – who feel like they can turn a program around. They're not necessarily doing the, the popular thing, but they're doing maybe the what makes most sense, what's best for their career, you know, maybe the most opportunity right away. Um, and there's so many different reasons. Kids choose schools for different reasons, but uh, I do think a lot of it is it's, okay, this school, this is such and such, oh, I got to go there um, versus, well, why do I need to go there when there's a great opportunity right here? And if I'm that good, if I'm if I am what I say I am, and, and post on Twitter and you know my Instagram, then I can go to this program and make them an elite team. So if I, I would like to see more kids think like that on the women's side. Hundred percent, I couldn't agree more with you. And it's fun to see you know Mississippi State a couple of years ago get into the finals. We just had Arizona. I'm obsessed with Arizona mm-hmm. now. I love that coach. Amazing. So more of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. and Again, there, there's so many great coaches on the women's side, so I think we're on our way. I definitely think we're on our way. Um, but it was, it was fun to see Arizona's run, and she's a great coach, and they play with toughness, mm-hmm. you know, and they play with that grit. And they, it was a very, very competitive uh, Final Four this year, which, which was awesome as a fan. Again, even though I'm in the women's game, I still am a fan. So when it gets down, if we're not playing, I'm, sometimes I'm watching as a coach, but sometimes I'm oh, that's a, that's a great set or, or – you know, I'm picking out defensive schemes, but I'm still watching as a fan sometimes to it. Mm-hmm. And you want to see competitive games and kids getting after it. Absolutely. Yeah, so you beat Mark, I'm sorry, you beat Holy Cross that year. You then beat Missouri in the second round, Pitt in the Sweet 16, and Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Obviously, anytime you beat Kentucky, it's a big deal. But to do it in the Elite mm-hmm. Eight is amazing. So tell me about that moment when the buzzer sounded and you guys realize you're going to the Final Four. That was that was insane. Um, that was insane, and and it's really you can't describe the feeling. Uh, it was like even in the moment, you like, did we really do this? Even though we were very very confident we can win the game and and believe we were going to the final four, that was our whole theme that whole year. Uh, and Tom Queen actually had us sign a picture of the Superdome uh, early on in the season. Cause, and everyone on the team signed it. All the coaches signed it. We had it framed. We carried it with us everywhere because um, that was the destination. That was the goal to get to the Final Four. So we, we, we knew that we were, like, destined to make that happen. Um, but beating Kentucky, and, and that was awesome because I think they, they thought they were going to just run us over. And we saw it. We knew it when they stepped on the court for warm-ups, how they acted. They were, you know, too, too cool for school. They were like, this, this is done deal with, like – and D-Wade saw that, and, and we obviously know he played the game. I won't say the game of his life because he had some awesome moments um, aside from that, but he had an incredible game, you know, and Travis Diener had a great game, and Robert Jackson had a great game. Um, and we, we were just fired up. We were ready to go. We, we were excited, um, and Cream was good, a great motivator. He was a great motivator, so he had us ready to go that day. 
It's amazing. So you get to the final four. As you mentioned, it's in New Orleans. I believe it's actually going to be in New Orleans this, this next year, in 2022, I think, for the men's. I know you're oh, more focused right? on when the women's is. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know when either. I haven't even gotten that far. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get through the summer, but that would be New Orleans is a good spot. It's a great spot, great uh, host town or host city for the, for the final four. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about your experience there at the final four. The experience was awesome. I think the, the most memorable thing about it is the time we're spending off the court. So I think the game is important, and obviously we'll get to that, but like the moments on the bus from hotel to the gym, you know, the moments flying in and in all the media and um, attention you're getting, uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, and the bond and just hanging out in the hotels, you know, we're going shopping, we're hanging out on Bourbon Street. All those moments and memories and, and you you have with those guys who you're so close to and you guys have been in the fire, you've battled, you've wrestled and practiced and, you know, you sweat together, you cry together, all that stuff, and, and we're just having fun. We're hanging out, um, but we're still working and getting ready for the game. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, I almost don't know when these teams have time to focus and game plan for the actual games. It just seems like there's so much going on. There is. There, there's a lot. And I'm sure it's worse nowadays. But um, you don't, and when you get there, you don't get much time on the court. You know, so you don't really get a, a ton of time to prepare because, again, you got so much. The media has so much access to you. You only get a certain amount of time on the court. Um, but, again, at that point in the season, at the end of the season, it, a lot of it is the film study. Because the basketball, by now, you, you are who you are as a team. So a lot of it is this film study and adjustments and game planning. How are we going to take away certain strengths from certain teams? Um, and that's so important, the mental side of it, which you know, a lot of people don't think about. Oh, we just got to show. No, there's, there's a lot that goes into a lot of film, a lot of hours um, getting ready for those moments. Absolutely. Unfortunately... You guys will lose to Kansas in the semifinal. Syracuse will go on to beat Kansas for the title with Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, which is crazy. Wow, mm-hmm. that was so long ago. No offense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I didn't um, mean it the way it came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game, for, what, for whatever reason, it was, just a, it was just not our day. And I'll give all the credit in the world to Kansas. They were an amazing team, very talented, well-coached, um, obviously. But I think if we had been, if we had played up to our potential, 100%, I think we were the better team. We just weren't the better team that day. Um, you know, we just turned the ball. We had a ton of turnovers, and I don't know if we just emotionally never got over the the final or the lead eight um, game. Mm-hmm. But we just we were not good that day, and um, it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate because I think we would have been a good matchup for Syracuse and being able to attack their zone with our shooters and our attackers. Um, so that, that kind of stinks. That definitely stinks. I think we were definitely good enough to win a national championship that year. Yeah, I'd agree with you that the matchup with Syracuse would have been a good one. But, yeah, unfortunately, you know, sometimes it's just not a team's day. It doesn't define your year, though. It was an awesome year. Yeah, it was. And, you know, we had a great year. You know, not many teams get to go to the Final Four. Um, it was just unfortunate that we didn't get another stab at it because the way to left for the um, NBA. Um, so, but that was the right move for him. Obviously, he made the, the right move, and um, again, you don't get back. That was it. We next year we weren't we we had injuries and we just weren't as successful as a team. So, um, but that but that experience was great, and we learned so much. And Coach Cream made us stay, right? He made us stay, and even though we lost in the Final Four, we we're like, look. We're going to learn from this. We're going to stay. We're going to stick around. And you guys are going to come here and watch the national championship game. Um, so he was always coaching, how can we get better? We're always, no matter what end of the season, we're still going to try to get better in some way. Um, so so that was, it stung, you know, but it was still a great experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And my thought process on calling it a long time ago was that Roy Williams was the coach of Kansas. He then went on to coach mm-hmm. UNC for a long time, and now he's retired. So that was my thought process on that, not a stab at you. Right, right. and people probably don't even remember that he was coaching at Kansas. It was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, your senior year, as you mentioned, you know, not the best. There were injuries. Obviously, D. Wade mm-hmm. leaves for the NBA. 
Uh, good year for you, though. You led the team in boards and were top 10 in the conference in that category. And you're able to finish a great four-year career as the all-time leader at Marquette in games plate. Now, do you know, as of 2021, does that still stand? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so, but I'd have to double-check. Okay. Yeah, that'd be interesting to, to, to find out. Yeah, but it was it was a tough. So I got I hurt my shoulder over the summer, so I had surgery in July. Um, and obviously, going into your senior year, we're coming off of I'm coming off a very good year. Um, super confident, playing extremely well over the summer. Tear my shoulder up. I had to have surgery, um, and I just never. Even though I started the season, I wasn't physically where I needed to be. And so I got off to a slow start, and and, and that messed with me mentally, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then, you know, then the team just wasn't as strong. So it, it just wasn't the senior year you had hoped for. But, again, I don't regret anything that happened that year because it did make me, you know, stronger in other areas So and prepared me for, you know, adversity that could later come in life. Um, but, you know, it was a great experience, great four years, loved my teammates, you know, some of my best friends today. And you just you, you want to go out with the bang, you know. You always want to go out with the bang, and you know that that last my junior year, the final four run was kind of that bang, as opposed to something special happening my senior year. Yeah, but I mean, you know, going out with a bang happens so few and far between for seniors, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, it's I guess it's you're still learning, you're still growing, so so. Through every experience, something good comes out of it. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, from day one to, to my last day on, on campus, Coach Cream was always there, and he was always making sure we're getting better, always making sure we're growing as people, uh, you know, as, as players, as students, and making sure we get our degrees. You know, the discipline is there. Um, so, again, uh, like you can't ask for anything more. You can't ask for anything more than a coach who's going to prepare you for life. Yeah, so, definitely. again, they're like, they're no regrets about anything. Yeah, love a coach that's not just all X's and O's. Mm-hmm. As good yeah. as he was at X's and O's, he, he, was, he was so much more, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. You score, over to th- you score over 1,000 points. You have over 600 rebounds, 100 assists, and 100 blocks. So, really great numbers, even though you weren't 100% mm-hmm. for some of your last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I had a great career, um, but looking back, I feel like I could have did more, you know, but I'm, I'm still, <laughs> who's not going to say that? As a competitor, uh, as yeah, an athlete, everyone. you're always going to look back and say you can do more. So um, it, I had some success, and, and I played with really good players. So a lot of times they made my job easy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, I, was, I had the skill set where I, can, I, can, I was pretty versatile. I can do a lot of things on the court, um, you know, and I think Coach Crean did a great job of, building a roster that all fit, you know, like we didn't have a lot of the same type of players, you know, everyone on the team kind of was unique in, in what they brought and it all fit like a puzzle. And a lot of times the best teams that like our final four team was that like, they all fit. We all played well together. We all had our roles and understood our roles. Um, you know, and I, I think that amounted to some of the success, you know, and I can do stuff. I can, I can, Handle the ball, I can help out in the press. You know, I can pass a little bit. I can get in the paint and, and drop it off to Robert Jackson. I can throw a lot to D. Wade. You know, I can rebound. Uh, and uh, you can throw it to me on the block and I can score a little bit. So just that ability to do multiple things, um, you know, and, and it helped me out. You know, and Coach Crean and, and the staff back then was great at helping players get better, um, you know, in the off season. And even during the year, like individual improvement was, was vital. And, and I think everyone got better. I got better. Um, and, and that mindset and that work ethic carried over to, to after college. You even got better and stronger because now you're playing for something. You're playing for money. Um, and you want to continue that. So you, you get even hungrier, I think, as, as you get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a versatile big, you're able to play professionally. You're, you're actually playing nine years professionally overseas. So tell me a little about mm-hmm. where you played and your experiences there. I played, I played in quite a few places. My first place was, uh, my first stop out of school was Italy. My first year out, um, Reggio Calabria, which is like the southernmost tip of Italy. And I started there, but I left because I still had NBA aspirations. 
So I went back to the – I left for a few months, and then I went to the D-League for a couple of years, and I actually had a really, really successful stint in the D-League um, and some very, very successful summers in the uh, summer, NBA Summer League. And <clears throat> I was pretty close to making a roster and getting a contract. It just never worked out. But, um, you know, I continued, went back overseas, and I think my favorite place to play was Japan. I was there for three years. The reason why that was my favorite is because – the league was very professional. The league was competitive because there was a lot of former NBA players. All the imports were either former NBA players or NBA prospects. So, so you're getting great competition, and the, the lifestyle was solid. They took care of you, very, very comfortable, um, you know, clean environment, very safe, very warm, friendly um, people. So it was that place was awesome, and I had other good experiences. I won a championship in Turkey. I won a championship in Japan. Uh, Turkey was awesome. Fans are great. They're so passionate, and you know they 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 come ready to go. Like any, any day, there can be a riot in the in 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 the in the stands because that's how passionate they are. And when you're getting deeper in the playoffs, and you got to be careful. There's actually a riot at the championship game, which was which was insane uh, in Turkey. But um, they 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 are passionate about sports out there. And uh, I kind of just stood on the bench, like we had one of those benches with like a glass shield. So I just you know, all these people are running around. If I'm, so I'm going to sit here <laughs> until things calm down. I'm not moving. I'm not, scary. I'm not getting hurt. I'm, yeah, it is. Because you're in a foreign land. You don't know. You don't know. Do I jump in the brawl or do I just kind of wait it out? Yeah. And um, my teammates were like, hey, just, just wait here. So it was, but it was a good time, you know, and, and we won the championship. So that was, that was an awesome experience. So nice. pretty cool. I have a really important question about your time in Japan. How was mm-hmm. the sushi? It, to be honest, I don't remember. I don't oh, man, remember. There, there, I ate. I ate so many. <laughs> I ate so many different things, unique things in Japan that I just. I don't remember the sushi. It was good. The seafood. They have a lot of good seafood. Obviously, they're surrounded by water. They have a lot of mm-hmm. good seafood. Um, they have a lot of good food in general. But they also had some things that that, based off the look, that I had. I had to say no. <laughs> um, they, they definitely eat some things that like I'm not. I'm not putting that in my mouth. Um, but, um, <laughs> there's some good food, like a lot of curry, a lot, a lot of rice. They eat so healthy. Everything is so healthy. The food is amazing over there. So I don't know if, if you ever think about that, but their food is, I don't know what they do to get their fruit. So like the pears and they are so ripe and juicy. It's insane. But their, their food is awesome. I want, I just want to go to Japan to eat. I know that sounds so ignorant. I'm sure there's so much to see and do, <laughs> but I just, you know, I love sushi. I'd love to have some there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it's amazing. I, I just don't remember. <laughs> All right, it was, a, it was a bit ago. So tell me, why yeah. did you decide to hang it up after nine years professionally? I think it was a a family decision. Uh, I had two kids, and my wife's a lawyer, so she had been traveling with me the, the five years prior, and she wanted to go back to work before it was too late. So if I played another three, four, five years, and then she's trying to get back in into in the workforce ten years after graduating law school. It didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. So it was like we weigh, you know, pros and cons of me playing another year or two and trying to figure it out and traveling with young kids. We we're like, look, this makes most sense for me to hang it up now. You go back to work, and then I can figure out what I want to do next. Versus, you know, being 35, 36, 37, trying to figure out what to do next. So it just, it wasn't easy and I wasn't, I wasn't happy that year. It took me about a year to get over it. I'm not playing anymore, but it was the best decision for my family. Um, and I don't regret it. I miss it. I, I, I missed it for sure that year. I still miss playing, but it was the right decision. It was definitely the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you can jump in at practice now these days. <laughs> not anymore. Not no? anymore. Like, yeah, but my knees are shot thanks to Tom Crane in those, those three-and-a-half-hour practices. But um, I, I can still shoot it a little bit. I can't move too well, though. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into coaching? And more specifically, how did you get into coaching women? It's funny because, okay, so it was, it was a few months after, you know, I stopped playing. Um, I, I did some high school stuff um, and AAU stuff, the well, I did AU the summers, several summers, pretty much every summer when I was home, I coached the AU team. And then um, that first year I 
finished playing basketball, I, I helped out. I coached a high school team, assistant coach for the high school team. And I was like, you know what, I, I really do enjoy coaching, but I want to do it at the college level. Uh, men's or women's, it didn't matter. I just wanted to get to the uh, collegiate level. And Marquette hires Carolyn Keeger, who was a player when I was a player. So we overlapped two years. And I had a relationship with her. You know, we didn't keep in contact like you would think, you know, after school, but we obviously knew each other. So when she got the job, I reached out. I was just like, congratulations, hey, um, I would love to, you know, pick your brain about coaching. Um, so then we met, and she was like, hey, you know, she thought initially I just wanted to coach on the men's side. But I'm like, no, I would coach men or women. I don't care. I just want to get to the college level. What do I have to do? And she's like, hey, would you, you know, want to coach here? I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. So she she we met a couple more times, and she had me work out the grad assistant, and she hired me and. You know, three championships later, we're, we're you know we had a ton of success, but we had a, a great five years together. We had we turned the program around pretty quickly, and it was it was great be doing it at my alma mater. You know, again at home in front of family and friends. So um, that was a great experience. Yeah, you guys turned Marquette into a powerhouse in the Big East, as you said. You win three Big East titles. Mm-hmm. You win a tournament title along the way. Really cool. Yeah, we uh, you know we we part of it was. A little bit of luck because now our staff was amazing. We had an awesome staff. Coach Keegan's amazing, great coach. Um, but we had great talent locally. So we had all these, you know, really, really big-time players in our backyard, and we went to work as soon as we got the job. And, and we recruited hard. We got those kids to, to stay home and, and trust the vision that Ke- Coach Keegan had, um, and, and they made it happen. Like, again, just like kind of like our Final Four team, you know, we didn't get to the Final Four team or to the Final Four, but the kids we recruited, they all fit together and the style of play we had, it all meshed. And, you know, we scored a ton of points. We played fast, but so many kids had such successful careers. Um, and it, it was just so fun to watch and, and be around those kids and, and see them grow as players and people, uh, all, all while we're winning championships. You know, because it, it would be—it's it, funny. You would think like Natisha Heidemann's in the WNBA. She couldn't finish her first workout. <laughs> you know, she was highly touted coming in. She couldn't finish her first shooting workout. Like she could barely at the end of it, she could barely throw the ball to the rim. Uh, you know, four years later, she's the Big East Player of the Year uh, and gets drafted and it's going on her third. I think it's her third year in the WNBA. So, you know, it was. It was, it was great. We have so many great memories with that, with that staff and, and, and those players. Yeah, great staff. You're going to be facing her. Oh, actually, I guess you were last year as well in the Big Ten. She is at Penn State. You were at Illinois and now, obviously, Wisconsin. Yeah, <clears throat> that, that was <laughs> that was an extremely, extremely fun game for us. Even though we lost um, and we were close, we almost beat them. And we, in fact, we should have beat them if we had executed better down the stretch. Um, you know, but that's just, we're friends, you know, great friends to this day, but we're still competitors and she wanted, I know how badly she wanted to win. Um, and I know how badly uh, myself and coach Skeet wanted to win. Uh, but it it was so much fun competing. I can't wait to compete against her, um, for years to come. So I'm excited. And I I definitely want to win and I I hope we get them this year. I think we will. Um, she probably won't talk to me for a long time after if we beat them, but. (laughs) But that's okay, you know. But, uh, no, she, she's doing a great job there, and, and I, I look forward to that battle. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a fun one for sure. And you sit on a year, the first year Megan Duffy was at Marquette, right? And then you went to Illinois? Correct. Okay. Correct. So I, I stayed back. Um, it just – the Penn State thing happened kind of quickly, and uh, it just location-wise, it just it, – it would have been a tough – adjustment for my family um so we, we decided to stay back and, and and that year was awesome too um you know we people didn't think we would be as good as we were because we lost so much to graduation um but we had we still had talent on the roster they just didn't have the roles um because we had you know five starters you know but basically our top six kids graduate <clears throat> and and their roles were so so strong but these kids were battle tested you know they were proven winners and they were great culture kids, so the culture was already established. So when Coach Duffy came in, you know, it was an easy adjustment for them and, and the newcomers we brought in, uh, and the success continued. The success continued, uh, and we, we had an awesome year, and it was just unfortunate that COVID 
had to come about and we never got an opportunity to play in the tournament that year, but yeah, um, it, it was a great year. It, it was a great year. We had, a, we had a, it was a different style of play. You know, we played a lot different, but we had success. We, we were much bigger. Now we had size like Cameron Taylor, Altia Anderson. Uh, and I think we were pretty much the biggest team in the big East and we just rebounded well. And that's how we won a lot of games. Um, so that was, that was cool to see those kids that maybe didn't have a huge role for a few years all of a sudden have a big role and, and see them step up and have success. Um, you always love to see was, that. You, you do, you do. Cause sometimes you never know, you never know how they handle that adjustment um, to a bigger role. And, and they did great. So that, that was fun. And those kids were awesome. Great to be around. So that, yes. so that year, that was a great year too. So, so really my whole, all my years at Marquette was, was a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the program is in good hands with Megan Duffy. Not that they weren't with uh, Keeger. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's going to do great things at Penn State. But uh, being from Jersey, I would watch uh, Duffy when she was at Michigan, and she coached Caitlin Flaherty to be this just elite player. So I'm I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what she's going to do as a head coach for a big program. Yeah, she she's going to do she'll she'll do great there. She'll do great there and. Big East is a great conference. You know, there was it was down last year. Uh, well, really, the last couple of years, a lot of a lot of a lot of teams lost kids graduation, mm-hmm. uh, and then Creighton had a lot of injuries this year. So I think it'll be very very competitive conference this year with Creighton back, DePaul's back. Obviously, UConn is UConn, so uh, it, it'll it'll be tough. It'll be really really tough. Um, so so it'll be good to see Marquette. Hopefully, still has some success, and they got a, she's got things rolling there too. So it'll be. You know, the top of the Big East will be great. And I think Villanova will continue to get better now with their new head coach. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch from afar. You go to Illinois for the 2020 season. Why did you make that jump? I think I wanted something different from Marquette. Uh, obviously, I had a great deal of success at Marquette. It's a great university, great basketball program. Um, I wanted something different. And... You know, you always want to learn something different. So I, I was five years with Coach Keeger. I learned, you know, pretty much everything from her style, you know, how to style of play, what we did, you know, how to prepare for games, you know, how to scout, how to recruit. That's what I knew. Then Duffy did something a little bit different. So I saw that for a year. Um, and, and people didn't think I would ever leave Marquette because I went there. And that was also also somewhat of a factor. Um, so, so I was like, hey, listen, no. Um, Illinois was looking for a coach and she and coach Faye reached out and I was like, you know, this is a great program. This is a great location, great university. Um, I think they just need a little bit more talent and I think I can help them get those, those kids in there. So uh, I was banking on myself. I was really betting on myself, um, <clears throat> to help the program out. And so I went there and it, it was, it was a good year. It, I mean, it was, it was a good year. We didn't have much success, but I think, I got them. We did get had a very, very successful recruiting year, and they have Big Ten talent now on the roster. So uh, I think I left my mark on the program, even though I was there for only a short time. Yeah, for so sure. It was, that that was the reason. You know, I, I want to see something different. Um, it was a great opportunity. Um, so I, ho- I wish them the best. I hope they have success, except when they play us, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, let's talk about Wisconsin. So a few months ago, you became the associate head coach for Wisconsin. You know, they're run by, or the head coach is Marissa Mosley, who was coming from Boston mm-hmm. U. She also had some experience on the UConn bench. So how did that come to be? Did you know her? I did. I've known her. Funny story, she played college ball with my wife at Boston University. Oh, no way. So, yeah, we, we have been planning to work together pretty much since I've been coaching. So wow. um, that was always the plan. We just didn't know when and where. So she and just so happened she ended up getting a Wisconsin job, you know, and I just upped and moved to Champaign, Illinois. Then you get the job and you're like, hey, you coming with me? And I'm like, oh, no, now what? I just moved a year ago. I don't want to move my wife and four <laughs> kids again. But it was um, <clears throat> it was a no brainer because like. She is so good. It's like, I, I can't even describe it. Like she, she's, she's a star in this profession and um, easily the best leader I've ever been around. And she's so knowledgeable about the game. You know, she knows how to manage her staff. She knows how to manage the girls, motivate the girls, coach the girls up. Um, so, so it's been in the short time I've been here, I've learned so much already. Uh, and I'm so excited. You know, I, I want to stay here as long as I possibly can and learn from her. 
um, and win. I'm fully confident that we're going to build this program and change this thing around pretty quickly. Um, but it's been great. It's been great. It's a really, really awesome environment around here. Very cool. You know, Wisconsin's a great place. It'll be, you know, recruits seeing the campus, so they'll love it. Mm-hmm. It, like, there's no reason we shouldn't be a top program in the country. Wisconsin has everything you need, facilities, um, location, um, resources. Uh, now we have the head coach and staff in place. I think I think we're destined to do some, some really special things here. It's going to take some work now, you know, and we're not shying away from that, but we're also not shying away from the fact that we want to win conference championships. We want to win, um, you know, get to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, Final Four is national. Like, that's the goal. Um we want to win big here, and, and we believe we can here. How's the team looking for the 2021-22 season? <laughs> we just we just got back on the court. Everyone returned to campus about, you know, almost a week ago, and we had, we've had two workouts so far, and, and the girls are getting after it. They're hungry. Um, they, they want to learn. They want to improve, and, and that's, the, that's all we can ask. Uh, I, I think it's a little too early to tell. I, I don't want to oversell us by any means, or but I don't want to undersell us either. I think we'll shock some people um, if if the kids stay as hungry as they are right now and we continue to grow and get better. Uh, I think we'll have a successful season, um, and then we'll build we'll build from there. But but first thing we want to do is establish culture. You know, change some of the kids' mindset, make it more of a championship mentality around here and uh, within the program and then we can make things happen. And once we get that done, now we can really, really focus on the basketball, you know, getting, you know, better players in here. Um, you know, some of these top kids, like there's so much talent in Wisconsin. Um, <clears throat> we can get a lot of these, these best kids in Wisconsin and stay to stay, stay home and come to Wisconsin is a special place, great academics. Uh, you know, we have everything you possibly could imagine. And I think we have everything in place. So we'll, we'll see how this year unfolds, but, but the kids are excited, they're hungry, and they're, they're working extremely hard. That's awesome. And the Big Ten is a great conference. You know, a few years ago, the NCAA really disrespected them, a couple <clears throat> tournaments mm-hmm. in a row with the seating, but you really can't do that anymore. Obviously, Maryland is a mainstay in the conference, which is still weird to say that they're in the Big Ten and not the ACC. You got Indiana. I think Pat Berg's going into her, like, 37th season at point guard. Michigan's mm-hmm. good. You know, Rutgers was pretty good last year. So it's a great conference. I'm sure I'm missing teams that are also good. No, it, it is extremely competitive. Like, there's not, a night, there's not an easy game. There, there's, there's not an easy game on the schedule. Uh, and that, that's the cool thing, you know, whether you're the top of the conference or the bottom of the conference, like there's no easy nights. And um, it, it's, it's very competitive. I think it's getting even more competitive. <laughs> like Illinois is improving. Penn State's on the rise. Wisconsin's definitely on the rise. We're coming. Um, so, so I think it's going to be even more competitive as a conference, which is great. You know, obviously you had Maryland and Michigan's who have been, been very, very good the last couple of years. Nebraska's going to be back. You know, they had some injury problems. So, um, it, it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be fun to see. And we should definitely be an eight, nine team conf- uh, get eight or nine bids in the conference, not the conference, in the NCAAs this year, maybe more, who knows? Um, but it was definitely, definitely a strong conference. Nice. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited yeah. to play. I'm, I'm excited yeah, to get right? going and get after it. <laughs> Maybe I might have to show up in Madison for a game. You know, last year was really a struggle not being able to go to basketball games. I'm someone that I'm always at the Big East tournament. I've, you know, been to Mm -hmm. games in the Midwest because I have a brother out there. So who knows? I might make an appearance at Madison. I I definitely think you should. For one, we're going to be fun to watch. And for two, Madison is a great place. So I think you should come for both of those reasons and you'll have a great time. All right. I will tell Coach Mosley to get me a seat. A good one. I got we we got you. We got you. Nice. Yeah, I've had you know, and I've had another member of the coaching staff on the podcast and Caroline Doty. So you know, I mm-hmm. I know two of you now. Let's go. Tickets. There you go, and, and we'll we'll definitely we'll take care. You come up here, we'll take care. Nice. Love to hear it. So now, Scott, away from the court, you mentioned you have a beautiful family, a wife. Four kids. I mean, they must be all in on the basketball gig because you keep moving them around. It's got to be tough. Yeah, that was tough. And last year was extremely tough moving from Milwaukee to Champaign because they, they had been there their whole life. So 
that was that was an emotional time for for them and for for my wife and I. Um, this year wasn't as hard because they are moving closer to Milwaukee, uh, so they'll be back closer to to family. And obviously, they know Marissa and love Marissa, and they're very excited to be at a place they're somewhat familiar with um, and be around people they're more familiar with. And last year, just because of COVID, it, you know, they couldn't really come to work. They couldn't come to games. So they didn't really become invested as much in the basketball piece um, like they normally would or would before COVID. So, and they also weren't in school full time. So it wasn't as hard to leave move away, even though they made some really, really nice friends. And I felt bad that we had to up and move and, now they got to make a whole new group of friends, but um, it was a little bit easier to leave Champagne and get back than leave Milwaukee and get into Champagne. So, plan is not to move for a while. That is the nice, plan. Nice, yeah. I hope you won't have to. Uh, me either. <laughs> I have a feeling you won't have to. But yeah, that that's an interesting year in Champagne because, as you mentioned, they weren't really in school full time with COVID. It's crazy. I can't imagine being yeah, in school it, when that was going on. Yeah, it was. They were in school two hours a day, and that didn't even happen until after March, I believe. So, so March or April. So most of the year they were home the whole whole day, which was which was tough, you know, because how do you keep kids occupied? And they only have school for you know virtual school for a few hours, and how do you keep four kids occupied um, all day long when you, both parents work? So that, it was a tough year on everyone, and it's tough on a lot of people in general. So. Um, but we made it through. Things are, you know, seem to be on the up and up. So we're excited about that, and we're excited to be at Wisconsin and um, <clears throat> get situated here in Madison. Nice, Scott. I have loved our conversation. I appreciate you making the time. I know you got a lot going on now that the season's sort of back. The kids are back on campus. But I like to end the podcast with a couple fun questions. How does that sound? Let's do it. All right. What is your favorite movie? Uh, I have two of them, Training Day with Denzel Washington and Baby Boy with uh, Tyrese Gibson. Okay, nice ones. All right, next question. Where did you and your wife go on your honeymoon? Uh, Cabo San, San Lucas in Mexico. Oh, that's good. One of my best friends took her honeymoon there. Oh, yeah? It looks awesome. Hmm, it was a good time. All right, last question. What is your favorite part about living in Madison? That's a tough one because I haven't experienced everything yet. Um, but I, I think my favorite part is that there's so much to do. Like you got, obviously you got great um, life on campus. You know, there's so much great student life on campus. Um, but then there's so much to do in the town and I just get, I get to experience so much and kind of um, explore over the next few years. And I've been to Madison, obviously from being from Wisconsin, but I don't know it, you know, the ins and outs of Madison and all the restaurants and all, you know, all the places and things to do to hang out. So I'm just excited about that. Um, But the people have been awesome. Yeah. The people have been awesome so far. And I know the the schools are great. So I'm excited to get my kids in school and uh, just really, really, um, get acclimated to the town uh, and meet as many people as we can uh, and just experience as many restaurants and cool things in, in, this, in the town and get to a Badger football game. I've never been to one of those either, so I'm excited about that. Nice. Yeah, you, got, you guys have a good football program out there. And coming yeah, from Marquette, you guys don't even have a football team there. I've never been to a college football game, so I have to. So, so that whole experience and, and taking recruits to a game will be new for for our staff as well. So, oh, wow. so that'll be an awesome time uh, coming up here in a couple months. So, uh, and I think we open with Penn State, so maybe that'll give me early on bragging rights if we win that game to uh, over Coach <laughs> Keegan. <laughs> yes, very true. It's a good first game. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time, definitely. Nice. All right, Scott, I will let you get back to work. I appreciate your time. It was so great talking about your awesome playing career and now your great coaching career. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time, Bridget. And uh, Again, questions were awesome. Podcast was awesome, so thanks. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Scott Merritt. Hope you enjoyed it. Really cool to hear all about his great playing career and now his great coaching career. Really excited to see what the Badgers are going to do in the next few years. I think they're going to do really well. 
I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.